Welcome to the City Hill podcast. We really hope you enjoy today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. So today I'm coming, kind of coming out of the closet a little bit as a, as a believer. Um, I'm, yeah, pretty, pretty sad to say. I'm not normally really public about my affection for, for Justin. But a song that actually isn't written by him, but he just is the singer, he's the singer for it, is a song I really want to kind of talk about today. So like I said, the world around us is full of paradigms, truth hidden in plain sight. And so today we're going to be looking and talking through a powerful message by DJ Snake and Justin Bieber, Let Me Love You. Um, so the first lyric, I was going to play it, but we haven't got a plug. And I'm not going to do it off my phone because none of us are going to hear the lyrics. So I'm just going to read us through some of the things that I said. So I used to believe we were burning on the edge of something beautiful, something beautiful, selling a dream, smoke and mirrors keep us waiting on a miracle, on a miracle. And actually, when I started to look at that kind of song, and as I was listening to it in the car, I started to connect with it. I started to resonate with it because actually that's familiar, not just of his story, not just the song story, but actually that's the familiarity that we have with kind of every good story because it starts with, I used to believe, and I think everyone has a moment in their life where things are just going smooth and things are going swell. You can be in a relationship, things are going great. You can be in a business, things are going great. You could be in in, in a job. You could be in all sorts of scenarios where things are going good and things are going great and you just fill with belief and it says burning on the edge of something beautiful. Like things are really happening, they're going somewhere and things could really take off. But at some stage in life, and it doesn't take long, you end up in a place where you realize, ah, I used to believe because it's all gone wrong. Because no one has it plain sailing, no one. Steve Jobs didn't have it plain sailing. Steve Jobs started Apple, it took off, and he got removed from his own company. He got kicked out of the company, and he went off, and it was a painful experience for him. Even one of the most greatest men in the tech industry, in the history of tech, created the, one of the, the largest tech firm today, he had a tough time. So if he has a tough time, we're all going to have a tough time. And so they end up in this place, I used to believe, because I was burning on the edge of something beautiful, there was this dream being sold, but it gets robbed. It talks about smoke and mirrors, deception, and now you're just left waiting on a miracle. I think anyone can relate to that story, because um, this is not just the story of a song, and the reason the song resonates so well isn't just a catchy tune, but because it's so true. We've all experienced it. And actually, this is how the story starts in the Bible. There is this creation story that takes place, and Adam and Eve and God are in this place of relationship that is something quite beautiful and quite wonderful. And God looks around and says, it is good. It's a dream. They are living the dream. They're living the ultimate dream. But that gets robbed by a snake, which I find kind of funny because the song that we're talking about today is written by DJ Snake. Mm-hmm. And so when I looked at this, this song, I started to hear, not even knowing it was DJ Snake, I just knew about Justin Bieber. I started to hear, this is kind of like Adam's song. It's like Adam's just got out of the garden. He's in this place where the dream is gone and everything kind of sucks. And he's been deceived because smoke and mirrors, there comes this moment where you have clear clarity. You know where you're going. You know what you're doing. You know what you want to achieve and you're believing and it's all fantastic. But then this situation happened. That relationship falls apart. You lose that job. Um, you could lose your, your home. Uh, your business is crumbling. You're having a tough time. Things are falling apart. And we start to be left in a place where we can't see anymore. It's all like smoke and mirrors. I don't know where to go. I don't know where to turn. I don't know what to do next. I don't know the way out of this situation. Everywhere I look, it's kind of hazy. Everywhere I look, I just see reflections of my own situation. I don't see hope of a future situation. And we're left 
hanging on a miracle, just like the word says. And that's kind of what happens to Adam because Adam is living life and it's great, but this serpent comes along, aka DJ Snake, and the thing that's presented to him is, he says about this tree and this fruit, he says, if you eat it, will you surely die? And Adam's like, well, God's kind of told him that, but he's put this, this doubt, this smoke in the way, this haze. And then the serpent also says, you will be like him. If you eat this, you will be like God. And you know what? That's true. It's true. Because Adam is made in God's image. Adam eats the fruit or doesn't eat the fruit. He's still going to be like God. The problem is, he didn't hear the snake properly. It said, less like God. You will be less like God. So Adam eats this fruit. They find themselves in this exile, in this place, which is a bit of a, a shame. But I believe it's time for us to upgrade from being believers and transform into believers. So the next verse it talks about is it says, Say, go through the darkest of days. Heaven's a heartbreak away. Never let you go. Never let me down. Oh, it's been a hell of a ride driving the edge of a knife. Never let you go. Never let me down. And so I've been listening to this whole song and the the scenario I'm getting is I'm seeing the world through Adam's eyes. I'm seeing he's been deceived, smoke and mirrors, things aren't clear. He's waiting on a miracle for things to be back how they were. There's nothing he can do about it. And then he is walking around in the darkest of days and heaven is a heartbreak away because he was living in a life that was kind of heaven. He was living in a perfect world. And it's a whole heartbreak from the tear in their relationship that he's stuck with. But he says, he's never going to let, never let you go. And then he says, never let me down. So Adam's attitude is kind of clinging on to this hope because what God says to Adam is these are the repercussions of what's going to happen. This is the curse that's going to affect you. This is what's going to affect the woman. But he says that one day that the snake will bite your heel, but your heel will crush his skull. And he's saying that there's going to be a way back. And so for Adam, he's left on one hell of a ride clinging on to God by the skin of his teeth, completely disappointed because he's never known death. And for the first time, he's heard this thing called death, never understood what it was, but now it's a reality because it's driving the edge of a knife. Because Adam and Eve, when they were in their shame and realized their nakedness, they clothed themselves in these fig leaves. And so they were hiding from God. And there comes this moment where after their conversation with God, what the Bible says is that God clothed them in the skin of an animal. So Adam, for the first time, saw what death looked like. Adam, for the first time, saw what it was like driving the edge of the knife to be clothed in this thing, to be clothed in this animal that was entrusted to your care, enclosed in this thing that you'd lived in harmony with in this garden, and now you're wearing it as a reminder of this time and to cover up what you've lost. Adam's darkest of days. Heartbreak is the separation. And he's clothed in the skin of the edge of the knife. And there's a mirror because we're talking about Adam's story when we talk about that. But actually, there's a bigger story we're talking about. So when we look forward, it talks about one who would crush the snake's skull. And for us, we look at that and we look at, as Christians, the tradition of this Jewish Messiah, which is Jesus, who we believe fulfills that kind of promise that God has for them. Jesus, their Messiah, whom they hoped would overthrow the Romans. They wanted a guy like David who would lay the smackdown. And he's now hanging on this cross. And it says that when Jesus died, the sky turned dark. The, the sun's light was, was, was removed from them. It was dark for three hours. And you know, it's official. It's the darkest of days. Because for them, their hope of this Messiah has come. And it looks like actually the snake has killed this one too. The snake has brought death in on this one too. And this is just going down the exact way, same way it was going before. But no one realizes that heaven really was only a heartbreak away. But it was Jesus's 
heartbreak and it was God's heartbreak because what the Bible says it says the temple veil was torn from top to the bottom and whenever we talk about that we talk about that being in a way of like um, the spirit of God no longer dwells in houses made with stone and with human hands but actually there's another tradition that's going on in this because this is a, a Jewish world and what would happen when a father lost their son is the father would tear his shirt and so when we read in the New Testament that we hear of the temple veil being torn in two, yeah, there's an element where God isn't going to live in these buildings anymore. He wants to live in among his people. But actually you see a father grieving the loss of his son. And so it's the darkest of days and it's a heartbreak away. The father's heartbreak at the separation from him and his son. And there was a day that the sky turned black and the heaven was only ever this heartbreak away. God in the flesh lives and dies with a heartbreak like no other. And we see the father express that. But God never lets go. And that's what the song keeps on talking about in the chorus. It's talking about never let you go, never let me down. And the thing with the human relationship between us and God is literally held on that ground. It is, it is the fact of us never letting go of God in our present situation and the fact that he will never let us down. The Old Testament is filled with a statement where whenever you read the word disappointed in the English in the Bible, is it says, those who trust in the Lord shall not be disappointed. So it's those who cling on to the very edge of the fabric of what he has for us, this tiny symbol of this relationship, this bare thread that he will never let us down from. You could be hanging off the edge of the cliff by this one thread of what he has for us and we will never let us down. But it also says Jesus doesn't tap out. He goes to the cross for us. And it said, he who descends into Hades. And what did Justin say? Oh, it's been a hell of a ride. <laughs> well, yeah, it, it literally has been a hell of a ride. Driving the edge of the knife. And it's been a hell of a ride. Jesus descends into Hades. It talks about the ground shaking and a host of captives coming out alive, raising from the dead. And it talks about Jesus taking captivity captive. So he goes and he runs things. And John the Baptist said this thing, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Around the time that Jesus is on this cross, it's the Passover feast which dates back to Egypt and their slavery. And so these people were enslaved in Egypt and Moses has gone before Pharaoh and said, You've got my firstborn son and you've got your hand on him. Take your hand off my firstborn son or I'm going to kill your firstborn son. And Pharaoh doesn't listen to what he says and Pharaoh is the god Ra in person, living in embodiment. And God's saying like, if you don't get your hand off, I'm gonna kill you, Ra got moved to. God's stepping, stepping up to the plate and he's taking him on. And what happened was Moses went away from that conversation and said, guys, get your houses ready, get your clothes ready, get ready to travel tonight because we're gonna have this meal. We're gonna take this one-year-old lamb. It's gonna be about blemish, nothing wrong with it. And then we're gonna, we're gonna sacrifice it and we're gonna eat it and we're gonna put the blood on the doorpost. And when the angel of death comes, it's gonna pass over where it sees the blood and where those who don't have it, they're gonna lose their firstborn son. And so at this time when Jesus is dying, it's the Passover. And Jesus does this really weird thing that before he's taken captive, before he's, he's held before these different people uh, and interrogated, he has this moment with his disciples where he celebrates Passover and he takes the bread and he breaks it and says, this is my body broken for you. And these good Jewish boys would have been sitting around this table celebrating Passover and they'd have been like, Jesus, that's really kind of offensive and arrogant. This is, what do you mean this is your body? This isn't your body. This is about Passover. This is about Egypt. This is about slavery. This is about remembering our roots. And, and Jesus goes, no, this is about me and my body. And then he pours the wine and he says, this is my blood of the covenant poured out for you and for many. And these Jewish boys would have been sitting there going, what are you talking about, Jesus? This is, this is heresy. This is terrible. And then what they see is they see the words of John the Baptist being fulfilled when he says, behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. 
As part of Passover, they'd take the one-year-old male lamb, they'd keep it in the house for three days. Jesus turns up to Jerusalem, to the temple, three days before he's killed. And then they would take it, they would look at it, no blemishes in the skin, no skin disease. There would be nothing wrong with, with um, its body, no broken bones. And they would say, this is fit to be sacrificed for Passover. And what happens with Jesus is he comes to the father's house three days before. A one-year-old lamb isn't a small little thing. It's like a, it's a, it's a, it's a, a Middle Eastern mountain ram in the peak of its strength. It would just trash the house. Jesus comes, trashes his father's house wrecks the place, turns over the tables, and then when he's taken before Pilate, Pilate says this, I find no fault with this man, I find no blemish. He says, yet I will whip him anyway, I will punish him anyway, and he's whipped, and the blood flows through his back. They would cut the back of the Passover lamb as the blood would flow with no blemish, and they would say it's sacrificially fit to be the Passover lamb. John the Baptist said, this is the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Driving the edge of the knife, the Passover lamb being slain, all because God never lets us go. Even when it looked as though we were no longer burning on the edge of something beautiful, he knew he would be the miracle we were waiting on. But then there's the last part, you see. So all of us, I believe that God has a call for us where we've lived this dream. This dream has come like smoke and mirrors. We've been robbed of the dream and the life we thought we'd have. We don't have that life anymore. But actually Jesus comes and dies on a cross that we may receive life and life more abundantly to the fullest that we never thought possible. But then there's a second part to this. So on the one hand, I believe this story and this song and this this paradigm of truth that we're experiencing and hearing today is about a saving truth that God wants to free us from our sins and allow us to have a new life in Christ. But I feel there's a last and final verse, which is for many of us who've been doing the whole Christian thing for a while now. And Justin says these words, don't fall asleep. This is the only time you're ever going to hear me say in church, stay woke. It's the only time you're ever going to hear it. Because I think a lot of people that stay woke need to go to sleep, man. I'm not going to lie. I hear some of the things they're saying, stay woke. And I'm like, geez, I wish you would take a nap. You're crazy. So you're never going to hear me say it. But today, don't fall asleep. Stay woke. At the wheel, we've got a million miles ahead of us, miles ahead of us. All that we need is a rude awakening to know we're good enough, know we're good enough. And actually, you know what? The, The tradition of Christianity doesn't say you're good enough. It says that we're all a sinner. But what it does say is it says, in what Jesus has done for you, you're good enough. And that we need to stand in that and we need to believe that. That actually Jesus, the Bible says, God not withholding his only son, what else is he withholding for us? Nothing. He's given everything in Jesus. And that in him we're righteous, in him we're good. And we need to start believing we're good enough. We need to start knowing we're good enough. Um, I think the big thing about don't fall asleep and to wake up, I feel like that's a message for so many Christians. I've been around church for way too long and I've been in in ministry at a few different churches in different capacities. And one of the things I've always found people saying to me is they talk about wanting to be a mature Christian or they want to go deeper. And um, some people have left City Hill because they wanted to to go deeper. And, And my thing has always been never when someone has wanted to be mature and never is when someone wanted to be deep have they wanted to be more missional in reaching the lost. Never. Not once. And that's not because it's not. When you are more mature in your faith and when you do go deeper into your faith, the mission of Jesus and of God is outward focus to reach people. Jesus didn't stay introvert in heaven going, well, I'm up here at the right hand, I'm here as God in the form of God. Oh, well, not my problem and stay there. He became flesh and blood and gave himself to be tortured and to die for us that we would receive. And I believe he wants us to wake up and be a part of that same mission. And I feel that so often we talk about wanting to be mature and we want to grow deeper in our faith. And what we do is we get in these closed internal Bible studies 
that are just for other Christians over here and it's just us and we're not reaching out. We're not loving anyone. We're not serving anyone. And I feel like Justin Bieber, if he was going to speak to us through this passage, he'd be going, don't fall asleep at the wheel. Like there are people in the back of your car. There are people in your spheres of influence that we have to take ownership for. And if we're just going to live a life where we're never going to share faith and we're never going to share love and we're never going to share what God has for us, we're asleep at the will. And when you're asleep at the will, you can kill people. And when we're talking about the message that we have in this in this paradigm, we're talking about one of eternal consequence and truth. And so when I hear guys saying to me they want to go deeper and they want to be more mature in Christ, I think to myself, you don't even understand the deep things. The deep things is getting involved in the same mission of Jesus, which is reaching the lost, which is why our mission statement is lighting up our world so that people far from God can find life in Christ. If there's anything we do at church that doesn't match that mission statement, it gets deleted. We're not doing it. We're not wasting a pound. We're not wasting a volunteer. We're not wasting a service on anything that isn't about that statement. When we come together, we come together to look at the scriptures, to look at the truths so that we don't fall asleep at the wheel and we take ownership of the people we're carrying in our lives that they can know God. So I think often, um, I think often Christians pray some sort of prayer, have this idea they're in heaven and the deal is done, but it's not really like that. There is so much responsibility we need to take for how the local society and the global functions of the world, we also have to take the Great Commission seriously. It's great you were waiting on a miracle and that heaven was only a heartbeat away, but now the kingdom of heaven is at hand and this is all fantastic stuff, but there is a million miles ahead of us. We need to realize God is enough that we need to live in the knowledge of Jesus because we're good enough because of what he's done. And then the the song ends with never let you go, never let you go, never let you go, never let you go. Don't you give up. I won't give up. Never let you go. Let me love you. Let me love you. God is never going to let us go. We need to return the favor. And we need to let God love us. Because if we don't let God's love in, we have zero that is worth giving anyone else around us within our community. I'm incredibly excited about these thank you cards because there will be no other organization within this community that will be sending thank you cards to teachers. There'll be no one else doing that. There'll be no one else with a basket waiting for them. They don't even know this church exists. And there's gonna be a basket full of fruit, chocolate, and good stuff, and they're gonna get loved on. And if we manage to get the funding, hopefully we will, we'll also be sending packs of pencils and pens for disadvantaged children and pads. We might only be able to do the pads and a pen at the moment, the way things are looking. But we're doing that because we believe God loves us and that has to flow outwards. But that's not just something we do as a collective because as a collective, we've written notes. As a collective, we're going to encourage the teachers with a nice present. As a collective, we're doing something for the kids in those schools. But as individuals, we meet different spheres of influence and they're in the back of our our, our car and we can't fall asleep at the wheel. I'm going to pray for us and then that'll be that for this series. Um, Father God, I thank you for your faithfulness. I pray that we would hear what it is you're saying to us through the amazing Mr. AKA Justin Bieber. We pray that we would allow you to love us, that you would lavish your love upon our lives and that it would flow out through us. May we not be selfish with what we receive. We don't receive from you, God, that we can sit back and have what we want to have. We receive from you because freely we receive, freely to give. And we pray that we'll be people that your your love flows out from to those around us in our series of influence as individuals, but also as a collective. Bless us in all that we're seeking to do this week. In Jesus' name, amen. We 
really hope you enjoyed today's message. And if you'd like to find out more about City Hill, please visit our website, cityhill.london. Yeah.